You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Psalm 119, and let's look at verse number 113. David writes, and of course, uh, as we go through this psalm, I want to remind you that this psalm is all about the Word of God. Uh, Just about every single verse, David talks about the Bible. He talks about the law, thy statutes, thy judgments, and he talks about the Word of God. And by the way, uh, I hope you never get tired of the Bible. Uh, We teach it to our children, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I'll stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Well, I hope as adults, I hope we still love the Bible. And uh, I thank the Lord for the word of God that we have. Verse 113, David writes and he says, I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. Depart from me, ye evildoers, for I will keep the commandments of my God. Uphold me according unto thy word that I may live. And let me not be ashamed of my hope. Hold thou me up, and I shall be safe, and I will have respect unto thy statutes continually. Thou hast trodden down all them that err from thy statutes, for their deceit is falsehood. Thou puttest away all the wicked of the earth like dross. Therefore I love thy testimonies. My flesh trembleth for fear of thee, and I am afraid of thy judgments. Lord, I pray you'd speak to our hearts. And we, we pray uh, every service, we pray before every message that you'd speak, but we truly, we need you to speak. You are uh, the author. This is your book. You're the one that wrote it. You're the one that's given it to us. And we need you to guide our thoughts. And I pray that you'd point out some areas in our lives that need to be, uh, to be improved, some areas that need to be changed, some areas that need to be strengthened. And I pray that we would have a greater love for your word. Lord, I was so convicted this morning as we talked about prayer. I pray that you'd help me in my prayer life. May it be what it ought to be. But Lord, help me also in my Bible study, my Bible reading. May that be also what it needs to be. And I pray the same for all of us that are here and for all those listening. May we get back to the Bible. May we get back to prayer. And may we see you do a work in our lives as we focus and meditate upon your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. David says, there's some things that I hate and there's something that I love. My wife and I, we were uh, married for nine years before we had children. And uh, I I tried. I'm not like some of you. Some of you are neat freaks. I mean, some of you, you are are very particular. Uh, Everything's got to be perfect. I would never have considered myself like that. But but I do like things to be clean. You know, I, I do like things to be neat. I'll give you two areas that I've, I've tried and, and I have not succeeded. And uh, once we had children, a few of these areas, I just had to say, it's just the way it is, you know. But one is I try to keep my car clean. I try. Doesn't always happen, but I try. Lacey, I see you looking at me like, Dad, what are you going to say? Well, when Lacey and Savannah, when they were little, they're, they're, good, they're good about it now, but when they were little, we used to say, you know what, we're just not going to have food in the car. Huh. Yeah, that's easy to say when we live, you know, 
you know, three houses down from the, from the church. But what happens when you go on a road trip? What happens when the kids are hungry and they're tired and they're crying and all that? And so, you know, we said, eat whatever you want. Just have it all. Have a, have a great time. And, you know, later on, we'll go and we'll get a shovel and get all the goldfish crackers out. And we'll get all the crumbs and all the, the Cheerios and all that. It's just, it's, it was a losing battle. So we just said, okay. Uh, so I, I try still. I try, I try to this day in, in my car, just, just the way it works is the, the kids, I take them to school every day, but it's just a quick ride. So my car stays fairly clean. But uh, our van, my poor wife, you know, she's trying to get everybody in and out and then all the stuff. And uh, she's back in the service, so I got to be careful what I say now. But uh, anyway, what was I talking about? Um, but I love, I love when a vehicle is clean. So because I love when a vehicle is clean, I hate the dirt. I hate the crumbs. I hate the trash. I mean, and by the way, for some of you with your jobs and all of that, I understand, and you know, you're out and you're in the mud and you're, you can't, you can't. But for me, I ought to be able to keep a car clean when I walk, you know, on sidewalks and I walk the office and I walk to hospitals and I walk to nursing homes and I'm not out in the wilderness and doing all that stuff. But if you love one of those, you got to hate the other, right? You understand what I'm saying? It's like you can't say, I love a clean car and I love trash too. You know, it's like it, they don't go together. How about this? I love, and we have not attained to this and it's my fault, it's my responsibility. But I love it when, I love it when you have a, a yard where the grass is green. I love it when you have a yard where there is actually grass <laughs> and not just dirt. I love it when you have a yard where there's grass and it's not weeds. Well, we have got, in our, in our backyard, I've given up on the backyard because, again, I've told you about my children. They love to dig, um, and we've got moles in our backyard, and we've got a dog that loves to dig up the backyard, and we've got children, and so I've given up on the backyard. But the front yard, I ought to be able to keep that, but it still it just hasn't worked out. So for me, because I want that yard to look good, you know, I, I, I want it to look good. It doesn't, but I want it to. So therefore, I hate the moles. When I, I get to yard mode and everything looks good, and then the next morning I come out, and there's the mounds. And boy, they, it's, like they're, it's like they're thanking me. Thank you for cleaning up our playground, you know. And they come through, and they just destroy it. And I'm thinking, oh, man, here we go again. So you can't love both is what I'm saying. And here, David says, I hate vain thoughts because, he says, I love thy law. Now, this word vain thoughts, it's not just talking about things that you think about that are not important. This idea of vain thoughts, it actually has the idea of being double-minded or half-hearted. Can I tell you, as Christians, I think those are two areas we struggle with. I think it's easy to be double-minded. You know why? Because we live in the world. Uh, you work in the world. You, you, you associate with the people of the world. And sometimes it's easy to want it both ways, right? You want to please the people at work, but you want to please the Lord. Or you want to please the family, but you want to please the Lord. And, and, and it's like you're, you can be double-minded. It's possible to be double-minded. But then also it's easy or it's possible to be half-hearted. Can I tell you in the Christian life, I don't want to serve God with half my heart. I want to serve him with all my heart. I want to be wholehearted. I don't want my thoughts to be vain in that I'm divided and it's split and I'm kind of back and forth here, there, and everywhere. I want my focus to be on the Lord. And David said, I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. Notice verse number 163. David says, I hate and abhor lying, 
but thy law do I love. You can't love lies and love truth. You got to pick. You can't love them both. You're going to love one and you're going to hate the other, but you can't love both because they're opposite. Amos 5.15, the Bible says, we are to hate the evil and love the good. Hebrews 1.9, the Bible says, thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Jeremiah 4.14, O Jerusalem, wash thine heart from wickedness that thou mayest be saved. How long shall thy vain thoughts lodge within thee? Maybe tonight, maybe there's somebody I'm talking to and maybe you've allowed vain thoughts, either half-hearted or, or double-minded thoughts. You've allowed those to lodge in your mind. I want to ask you, how long? How long are you going to let those stay there? It's time to get rid of the, uh, the vain thoughts and it's time to fall in love with the Word of God. Thy law do I love, David said. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You know why our thoughts are so important? because our thoughts will eventually become actions. You think about something long enough, you dwell on something long enough, eventually you're going to believe it. Uh, that's why, and I, I haven't talked about this in a long time, I don't think, but that's why I'd be very careful just watching a lot of news. I'd be very careful if, if that's all you do. Now, I don't think it's bad to be informed, don't get me wrong. But if all you ever do is listen to the news, I promise you, eventually, that is going to affect your attitude. It's going to affect your actions. You're going to get to the point where you're depressed. I, I promise you, and, and I've seen it, and, and I'm just telling you, you can't allow all of that negative and all of the depressing and all of the, you know, all the, the gas prices and all oh, COVID and all the supply line and oh, look at what's going on in Iraq now and look at what's going on in, um, look at what's going on in um, Ukraine and look at Russia and look at China and look, if you, if that's all you listen to, you're going to be depressed. And I'll tell you this, God never intended for his people to be depressed. Uh, you might be in a lion's den, but you don't have to be depressed. You may be in a jail cell like Paul and Silas, but you don't have to be depressed because God's still on the throne and God is still in control and you can't let the vain thoughts take control and affect your life. Philippians 4 says it like this. Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. That's what you're supposed to think about. You got to get rid of the vain thoughts. David says, I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. Number one, if you're taking notes, I see there must be a hatred for negative and wicked thinking. Number one, there must be a hatred for those. If you're going to love God's word, you got to hate the vain thoughts. Number two, I want you to notice verse 114. David says, thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. Now, this is interesting. The word uh, hiding place, it's found in uh, a couple different places. It's found here. It's found in Psalm 32, 7. David says, thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance, Selah. This word hiding place is the same word that is found in Psalm 91, where the Bible says that uh, uh, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. It's the same word, hiding place and secret place. 
What is a hiding place? The hiding place is a, a covering. It, it's a shelter. It's a protected place. In Illinois, uh, most, most homes that I, I knew of in Illinois and Iowa, most homes had a basement. Now, I understand here with the, the water level and all that, there's not a lot of basements around here. Uh, but in Illinois, in Iowa, I remember times that we went to the basement. And when there was a warning of a tornado coming through, you went to the basement. And you got the family together and you stayed in that basement until that tornado came through. In Illinois, when I was growing up, and in Iowa, where my, wife, my wife's family's from, there were many times there were deaths from tornadoes. Many times it was from uh, mobile home parks. And here's why. Because those mobile homes, they didn't have a, a solid foundation and they didn't have a basement. And so that entire home would be not just knocked over. I mean, it would be swept away. It'd be thrown across the field. I mean, it was a very dangerous place to be. But if you got down in the basement, that was the hiding place. That was the, the shelter. That was the protection. And can I tell you, God says that he wants to be your hiding place. Now, he says he's going to be our shield. A shield is what you use in battle. Uh, but the hiding place is what you need when the storms are coming. The hiding place is what you need uh, when the bombs are dropping. The hiding place is what you need when you're just trying to, to find a place where you could be safe. And David says, God, you are my hiding place. Now, I want to tell you this week, God doesn't just get you to the hiding place. God doesn't just provide a hiding place. He is the hiding place. And can I tell you, when you and I get close to the Lord and when we rest in him and when we trust in him, he becomes our shelter. He becomes our hiding place. We, uh, in, with, with our family, I know this is what we did, but mom and dad never said, um, excuse, excuse me, children, there's a tornado coming through and if you'd like to get to the hiding place, you're welcome to. If you'd like to go to the basement, fine, but if you want to go outside and play, that's fine too. Oh no, you know what mom and dad did? You're going. You're going to the basement. We say, we don't want to go to the basement. You don't get to decide if you're going to the basement or not. You're going to the basement, right? You know why? Because they wanted to protect the family. Can I tell you, I'm talking to some folks here today. You may be in the hiding place spiritually, but you need to get your family in the hiding place. We should be doing everything we can for our marriages and for our children and grandchildren to make sure that our, our families are protected from the attacks of the devil. And you and I, we are sitting ducks on our own. We're no match for the devil. But when we rest and when we trust in our hiding place, can I tell you, there is protection from the storms of life. Number one, David talked about a hatred for vain thoughts. Number two, David discusses the hiding place that we have in our God. He says, uh, thou art my hiding place and shield, and I hope in thy word. Number three, the word is hope. David's hope was not in his king uh, kingdom. His hope was not in his throne. His hope was not in his crown. His hope was not in his battlefield experience. But David's hope was in the word of God. Look at Psalm 119 and verse number 43. David says, I have hoped in thy judgments. Verse number 74, because I have hoped in thy word. Look at verse number 81, but I hope in thy word. Verse number 114, I hope 
in thy word. Uh, verse number 147, David says, uh, I hoped in thy word. I'd say David made it pretty clear. His confidence was not in his intellect. His confidence was not in his ability. His confidence was not in his people skills. You know, some people think, well, I can talk somebody into anything. You know, I can do that. Oh, no, no, no. David said, my hope is not in myself, but my hope, my confidence is in the word of God. And friend, I want to tell you, I don't know what's going to happen in this world. I don't know what's going to happen in 2022. I remember with all of, of COVID and with the elections, and I remember my thought was, I'm afraid we better hang on tight because I don't think we've seen anything yet. But I know this. I'm not concerned about what's going on down here nearly as much as I'm concerned about what's going on up there. And I know that everything's all right in my father's house. My confidence is in the word of God. I know that God is in control. I know he's going to take care of us. Uh, some through the fire, some through the flood, uh, all through the, the water, but some through the blood. Can I tell you, I know he's taking care of me because I have been washed in the blood of Jesus. I know that my sins are forgiven. I know I'm saved. I know I've been born again. But David's hope, number three, his hope was in the word of God. Notice next, if you would, number four, we see that David was held up. Now, I'm not talking about a bank robbery here. I'm not talking about that kind of a hold up. But he says in verse number 115, um, he says, Depart from me, ye evildoers, for I will keep the commandments of my God. We'll talk about that in a minute with the evildoers. But notice verse number 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live. And let me not be ashamed of my hope. You see, David said, I, I need the Lord to help me. I need to get, a, get away from the wrong crowd. And can I tell you, if you hang around evildoers, they're going to pull you down. If you hang around the devil's crowd, the devil's crowd's going to drag you down in the mud with them. I promise you that. But if you hang around evildoers, you're going to have a hard time keeping the commandments of God. And David said, that's why I want to depart from them, because I want to keep the commandments of God. Psalm 1 talks about uh, not uh, walking in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standing in the way of sinners, nor sitting in the seat of the scornful. you got to choose who you're going to spend your time with. Don't spend your time with evildoers. Get around some people that love God, people that want to serve God, people that are going to sharpen you and strengthen you in your walk with God. But then David says, I need the Lord to uphold me with his word. The word uphold, it means to support. It means to sustain. It means to prop. Can I tell you, this book right here, this book can hold you up. This book can keep you on your feet. This book can help you when it seems like nothing else can. Um, Tyler. Fenera, would you be willing to help me with something, brother? Could you come on up here? I was scanning for a, a strong young man, and there here you are, brother. Now, here's what I need you to do. Okay, don't hurt yourself, but can you get on the ground like, just like, don't fall, but just get on the ground like you've fallen down. Just kind of be on the ground like you, don't, don't hurt yourself. Just get to go down gently. Go down gently, okay? All right, so Tyler's on the ground. Everybody over here, you just trust me. But Tyler's on the ground. You know what Tyler needs? He needs help. Need somebody to help him up. Well, guess what? The Word of God can do that. The Word of God can help us up. So I'm coming over here. Tyler, here you go. Oh, thanks for not pulling me down, brother. That would have been a, would have been a bad illustration there. So, so I helped him up. 
But here's the thing. So I stay right there. I leave Tyler, and, and so he's on his own. I helped him up. He's all right. It's not what God does. God doesn't help you up and leave you. God helps you up, and then he holds you up. Here's what God says. Hey, there might be some more stumbles along the way. Here, let's walk over here. Come on, man. Let's walk over here. And you know, can, can you see? Turn this way. I want everybody to see. Can you see what's going on here? I'm hanging on. It's not Tyler hanging on to me. It's me hanging on to him. Can I tell you, he might stumble. He might trip. But guess what? I'm going to hold him up because I'm stronger than he is. And I'm going to be able to help him. I'm going to be able to keep him from falling. You know what this book can do for you? It can help you up when you're down. And it can hold you up and set you on your way. It can keep you going. Gives you strength. Uh, sometimes we're, we're tired. Sometimes we're weak spiritually. Sometimes kind of lean back a little bit. I won't drop you. Oh, man, this guy, he's like, he can't even stand up on his own. But guess what? No problem. Because the word of God can support you. It can literally prop you up. And I'll tell you what, some things you don't want to lean on. <laughs> yeah, they're going to knock you. You're going to fall over. You're going to break it. Can I tell you, you're never going to lean too hard. You're never going to lean too strong on the everlasting arms because those arms are going to hold you up and those arms are going to keep you when you face the storms and you face the trials. Aren't you glad that God helps us up? But then he holds us up. Thank you, Tyler. You can have a seat. You did a good job, bro. We didn't even practice that. And you did a wonderful job. Thank you, Tyler. David says, I need to be held up. It says in Isaiah 41, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed. I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Praise God for the fact that he can hold us up. Psalm 37, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Hallelujah, we can lean on the Lord. We can lean on his word and he has promised that he will hold us up. Hallelujah for that. Notice verse number 117, David says, hold thou me up, there it is again, hold thou me up and I shall be safe. I will have respect unto thy statutes continually. The word hold, uh, hold thou me up is the same as the word uphold in verse 116. But here, here's what David says, he takes it a step further and he says, hold me up and I shall be safe. The word safe, now we use the word safe like, you know, you're not in danger and somebody's not going to hurt you. But this word safe, it literally means to be delivered. It means to be rescued, much like the word saved. And David says, Lord, I need you to uphold me because as long as you're upholding me, I'm safe. I'm good. I don't have to worry. I don't have to fear. I don't have to fret. And by the way, I'm glad that God not only holds us up, but I'm glad he keeps us safe. I'm glad that he protects us. I'm glad that the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him. I'm glad that God has a better security system than ADT. I'm glad that God has a better security system than a watchdog. I'm glad that God has a better security system than a chain link, a uh, uh, barbed wire fence. I'm glad that God's protection is the best. And David says, your hand holding me up is what keeps me safe. I'm so thankful that we are safe in the hands of God. Can I tell you, we have a God who holds us up. We have a God that keeps us safe. Nothing can touch us that doesn't first go through God. 
Now you think about that this week. When you face a trial, that trial that you're facing, God has already okayed that trial. I, I, I have a hard time uh, when, I think, when I think about this subject, I have a hard time not remembering Kenny Baldwin standing in this pulpit last October. And he made the statement about COVID. He said, God ordained for me to have COVID. Can I tell you? I believe that. I don't believe it was an accident. I don't believe it was a mistake. I don't believe it caught God off guard. Now, it's very easy for us to say amen when somebody else is talking about their trial. But what about when it's our trial? What about when it's our family? What about when it's our situation? Here's what you got to know. You got to know that God is in control. You got to know that you are safe and you are protected and that God has you in his hands and nothing can get to you unless it first goes through God. Remember the story of Job? You know what Satan had to do? Satan had to get the green light from God before he ever raised a hand against Job, his family, his possessions, his health. None of that was possible except that God said, okay. And I'll tell you, I don't understand it all and I don't have it all figured out, but I know this, that we can trust God because he keeps us safe. Notice in uh, verse number 117, David says, I will have respect unto thy statutes continually. The word respect there is the word reverence. David says, I have reverence, I have respect for your word. Now, I think sometimes, I think we have respect for the Bible maybe as children, right? We teach our children uh, you don't put the Bible on the ground and you don't stack books on top of it and, and we love the Bible and we take care of the Bible and all those things. But I want to tell you, David was saying, I have respect for your word continually. Not just when I was a boy. Not just when I was a teenager. Not just when I was a young adult. David now, he's the king. David now, he's got some authority. David's got some accomplishments, but he says, I still have a respect for the word of God. Number uh, one, we saw uh, there's a hatred for vain thoughts. Number two, the hiding place. Number three, our hope. Uh, our hope is in the word of God. Number four, being held up. Number five, being helped by God. He doesn't just hold us up, but he helps us. And then number six, we see the word honor. We ought to have an honor and a respect and a reverence for the word of God. I am thankful that my parents taught me when I was a boy. They taught me the importance of the word of God. And parents don't ever take for granted the privilege that you have to teach your children. Don't take for granted the privilege you have as grandparents to show your grandchildren how important the word of God is. My parents, they didn't just say, hey, you know, you know, uh, you know, set the Bible on the shelf and take good care of it. They said, oh no, read it, <laughs> obey it, memorize it. And you know what they did? They read the Bible. And they lived by the Bible and they, they, they taught and they instilled in me a respect for the word of God. I thank the Lord for that. Maybe you're here today and you say, I didn't have parents like that. I didn't have a mom or dad that, that even knew the Bible or was saved. I didn't have a, that Christian home like that. Well, maybe not, but you can start it and you can set the direction and you can be the one to say, well, I'm going to pass something down to my children and my grandchildren to have a respect and a reverence for the word of God. Verse number 118, David says, Thou hast trodden down all them that err from thy statutes, for their deceit 
is falsehood. The word trodden here in verse 118 is literally the word rejected. It'd be like if, if we have some uh, cardboard boxes. Uh, don't you love cardboard boxes? Oh, man, so much fun, especially when you don't have a good pocket knife or you don't have something and you're trying to get rid of them, right? So here's what I do. You know why? Because I'm too lazy to go back inside and find a knife or find a, 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 a box cutter. And so I'll just put that box down on the ground. And you know what I do? I go to town. I, I trot it down. I stomp it, right? And some of those boxes, boy, that, they make them pretty good. It's hard to get them stomped down. The ones I want to keep, I set them aside and I don't damage them. But the ones I want to get rid of, man, I, I reject those things. I stomp them down. I destroy them. I get them as flat as possible so they fit in the recycle bin, right? Well, can I tell you, here we're not talking about cardboard boxes. But God says that he judges. He rejects those that err, those that stray from his statutes. Now, please don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about that you lose your salvation. I'm not talking about that if you disobey God, he sends you straight to I'm not talking about that. Here's what I'm talking about. For those that do not have a respect and a reverence for the things of God, God's going to judge that. And by the way, God is going to judge that. I didn't say that I'm going to judge it. I'm not saying, I didn't say you're going to judge it. It's a good thing we're not the judge. Amen for that. I tell you what, there wouldn't be none of us alive, you know, if, if you were the judge or if I were the judge, the way we react sometimes. But God is the judge. He's the righteous judge. And he says those that err, those that stray. And then he talks about falsehoods. Their deceit is falsehood. That word falsehood is literally, it's deception or fraud. Now, there are a lot of frauds out there. I think we all know that. But I'm so thankful that our God is not a fraud. He is not a phony. He is true. He is righteous. He is holy. Uh, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth. You say, well, what about Jesus' truth? Everything. He is the truth. There's no truth apart from Jesus Christ. And we see the word honesty, number seven. I want to encourage you as we will close out here, these, this, this verse. It says, thou hast trodden down all them that err from thy statutes, for their deceit is falsehood. I want to challenge you tonight, don't stray from this book right here. Don't be deceived. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of false teachers out there. There's a lot of cults out there. And by the way, now you don't even have to get a book. You don't even have to get something in the mail. You just have to go online and Google, you know, and, and look for something and boom, it's there. And I'll tell you, the cults of the world, they're pretty smooth. They'll get you in. They'll make you think, hey, we're having a Bible study. Hey, we want to talk about God. We want to talk about the Bible. And what you'll find out is that those cults, they're not Bible-based. They're deceitful. They're destructive. And they will destroy you. You mark it down. You say, I can handle it. Oh, 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 oh no, you can't. And no, no, I can't. I'm not going into, I'm not going into a cult because I'm going to prove them wrong. Oh, no, no. I'm just going to stick with the truth. I don't have to know all about the counterfeits. I just have to know the truth. Amen. And can I tell you, there's a lot of false doctrine out there. Here's one, and we, we, don't, we haven't talked a lot about it in our church. We probably should at some point. I'll probably do a series at some point on this particular, uh, uh, this, this teaching that is not Bible. But there's an idea out there today. It's, uh, it's call, they call it Calvinism. And can I tell you, there are some good, uh, good points about Calvinism, but here's where Calvinism 
is absolutely 100% false. Calvinism teaches that God has already decided who's going to get saved and who's not going to get saved. It's already been determined. So what that means is you don't have to witness. I don't have to witness. We don't need to run bus routes. We don't need to knock on doors. We don't even need to send missionaries. Now, they won't say that, but that's exactly what they're teaching. Because if somebody's supposed to get saved, they'll get saved. If they're not supposed to get saved, then they won't get saved. And there, there's nothing they can do about it. I want to tell you this, friend. Jesus didn't die just for a certain group. Jesus died for everybody, the whole world. I'm glad that I was a part of that whosoever. You say, well, how do you know if somebody's supposed to get saved? I know how somebody's supposed to get saved. It's because if they will put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, they shall be saved. But you got to watch out for that. You got to watch out for any, any religion or any teaching that would say, you get saved by grace, but you also, you got to do this, and you got to do this, and you got to do this. Well, I got news for you. That is no longer grace. If it's grace plus anything, it's no longer grace. God is not sitting up in heaven thinking, well, I sent my son, but that's not quite enough. So I hope they can do a little bit extra so they can get in. Oh, no. Jesus hung on that cross and he declared, it is finished. Jesus paid it all. The price has been paid. We could go on and on talking about uh, the false religions of the day. I'll, I'll go one step further. And uh, I know some of you are wondering if I'm ever going to finish, but I'm going to close my Bible and give you hope. And uh, I'm going to set it right there, and I'm going to say this. God's Word teaches that when you get saved, when I get saved, we become children of God. There's nothing you can do to lose your salvation. You say, how do we know that we can't lose it? Because you didn't get it in the first place. God's the one that gave it. You didn't get saved because of your works, and you don't get unsaved because of your works. You're saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. And be very careful when people start saying, well, you know, uh, so-and-so, you know, they were saved, but then, you know, they did this, or they started doing this. <laughs> well, except for the grace of God. That could be us someday. But I'm glad my salvation is not dependent upon what I've done. My salvation is dependent upon what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.